right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another edition of Rooster and the Villain. I'm, I'm very happy to have a special guest tonight from Protagonist. His name is Dan Vaughn. Dan, would you mind introducing yourself a little bit? Uh, you know, who doesn't know me, right? I am, uh, I'm, I'm widely known. We, I was just joking earlier today with someone from Protagonist about how um, sort of by accident, I became the de facto represent, representation of the site. And at some level, lower league soccer, I, that's just terrifying because sometimes I really shouldn't be. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm a writer. I'm a podcaster. Uh, I focus on lower league soccer. I am absolutely worthless when it comes to professional soccer for the most part. Just don't follow much of it. I am consumed by lower league soccer and have been by about, for about four years now. Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to delve into to how you became curious about lower league soccer, but I, I'd like to talk about protagonist first a little bit, just so the listeners have an idea of where you're coming from. Uh, I'd also encourage everyone to check out the site if you're, especially like me, interested in Nisa. Fantastic job covering it. It, it gives it the coverage it deserves, but, but please talk about the site a little bit and, and how it came to be and what it is now. Sure. Uh, so Protagonist Soccer was founded four years ago. Um, the idea was we felt like lower league soccer in the United States wasn't getting any coverage. Um, we couldn't find it. Uh, and so and when I talk about lower league soccer, I feel like I need to define that term a little bit better, which is sort of anything third division and lower. And, you know, obviously those lower divisions don't really have names according to the Federation. But, you know, it's those leagues like the NPSL, the UPSL, uh, your local regional league, even even some city leagues have been known to follow Cosmo and it's certainly Maryland Majors and Bay State. So I think that there is a wide, a wide swath of leagues across the country from local to national. And we just felt like there wasn't any coverage. And it was frustrating because we know – we knew individuals that were running clubs or players that were playing for clubs who were working their butts off uh, to try to like do something with their careers in soccer or, or it could be like a positive impact to their community. Like there's a lot of motivations, right. That people have when it comes to soccer, but we saw it as, wow, there's a lot of storytelling that could be done here. And we think that that's important. And so it was a bunch of us just got together. When I say a bunch, I think at first it was three or four, and it's gone as high as eight or nine, and sometimes it dips back down. It's a volunteer organization. Uh, I haven't made any money off it yet. Anyway, uh, but it's, it's I owe one you of those. A scarf. I did just buy a shirt yesterday, though. I'll I'll, I'll allow it. Uh, <laughs> but we uh, cool shirts too. I, I like the uh, I like the merch. So <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, the merch is. I, I can't take all the credit for the merchandise. That's Joshua Duder, who's the assistant. Um, well, he used to be the assistant editor. Now he's merchandise and and marketing director. He he's done a great job with that and has been really significant to the growth of that part of what we do. But you know. So it's one of those um, things that it's a passion project and thankfully that passion is shared by a lot of people and so it's just a matter of mashing up people's skills you know we started off just writing and then started doing podcasting and now we I think I think this week and most weeks we're doing three to four podcasts a week on our podcast feed protagonist podcast if you're curious um, and and we have uh, currently right now we have the protagonist weekly we have the Knights who say Nisa which I think you referenced and then we also have the USL uh, 2 show and the USLW show so those are those are all things that we're doing uh, we we see it as important and we see it as um, 
I don't know what the end game is, uh, but I do know that I'm enjoying it. And so I'll keep doing it until I don't. Is the the heart of the site and coverage for, for fans or is it to really boost the profile of the players or just a little bit of both? I think it's a mix, right? I think that fans want to read about their clubs and that's true, right? And we've actually had long discussions about this, about how to make it more appealing uh, to more of a cross section of fan bases, but in lower league soccer, you know, you might be a fan of the English Premier League and want to read about Manchester United, but you would still read an article about Arsenal if you're interested or, or about Man City because you follow the league. A lot of times in lower league soccer, the fans are fans of their club and their club only. Literally could not care less about the league or could not. And so for us, it's, it's trying to find connective tissue that fans can appreciate and like. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm working on an article about Lansdowne Yonkers, which is a club out of New York that has just been on this incredible tear. You know, I think it's like 15 months without a loss. And that's a story that's interesting. And it's a story that maybe you don't follow the EPSL because it's a regional league in the Northeast and maybe you're from Southern California, but you might be interested Reasonable. in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 100%, right? Like I, I get it too. But we think that if we tell the story the right way and we paint the picture for the audience that we can build the stories um, in a way that can appeal to a cross-section across the country. Absolutely. And so that's really what we try to approach it because, again, like I said, we understand it. You're a fan of your club. And in most leagues in the country right now, particularly in amateur and even down to D3, most leagues don't have a great league culture yet. There's not a really? lot of league following. And so that is a space that we're trying to grow into. And at the same time, you're right. We're telling stories about players, about clubs, about, you know, of events that happen. And that goal is to tap into that storytelling and make sure that we communicate that because we think that there's enough soccer fans across the country that if they got exposed to it, they'd read it. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think what makes soccer so interesting in America is that it, it has been a niche sport for all this time, but it's like a hardcore um, fan base within that niche because of how popular it is in the rest of the world. Right. Um, so what year did you all start protagonists and start covering lower league soccer? Uh, I think Ish. I think it's 2018 was the year that we kicked off. The first article was written by, I don't know if you know, Phil Bakke. Uh Phil Bakke is, uh, he, he's a, now he follows mostly USL league or the championship um, because uh, El Paso locomotive, which is where we both he and I were based out of. Um, he, got into that club and really focused on them and helped develop the podcast about him and has done really amazing things. But he wrote about the, the Kitsap Pumas uh, failing. And I don't know if anyone remembers the Kitsap Pumas. I do, but they were a club that played in the NPSL for 10 years uh, before folding. And it was kind of the perfect story to start protagonist with because amateur soccer is, if nothing is, is, is always consistent about clubs collapsing. And yeah. it was the perfect story to sort of begin our foray into lower league soccer um, uh, journalism. And it just grew from there. You know, like I said, four years and I really don't know how many articles and thousands and thousands of people visiting the site. So we're very happy with it. Protagonistsoccer.com. Um, <laughs> just uh, we, uh, we think it's a good site. We think we do good work. And uh, if you're a fan of soccer, it's, it's a, I th we think it's a great place to visit. I mean, what are some of your favorite articles and, and teams you've all have talked about right now already? You know, Absolutely, there is, but 
continue. No, no, you're good. You're good. I, I think, you know, I think it's easy to think about those stories or, or podcasts that maybe had big click rates or downloads and you're like, Oh, look at that one. You know, just recently the mess with new Amsterdam oh, yeah. has, been, has been a boon for us because <laughs> that, that podcast that I did interviewing new Amsterdam's owner, Lawrence Gerard, the most downloaded podcast we've ever had. Um, what are the numbers you talking there? Oh, you know, just, let's just say, let's just say triple what our normal downloads okay. are for there a you nice news episode. Pretty impressive. Um, that is. And, and that was thrown together last second. He was going off on social media and I was like, Hey, you want to come on the show? Yeah, let's do it. Boom. Let's do it. And it was scary. I honestly, I was, I was messaging the other guys that do the podcast with me. I'm like, Hey, one of y'all needs to come on with me because I don't know what I'm going to get because it was hard to read what was going on on social media and know what's his mindset. Like, is he like, it, it was hard. It appeared it was, to be manic from, uh, from it was, it was, it was a little terror. And I, I didn't want to get him on a podcast and maybe exploit a situation. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to tell the story and I felt like it was very topical and interesting. It was. But I was all, I was, I was also worried that it would sort of devolve and then I'm stuck in this spot of having this podcast recorded that maybe I shouldn't run this. And then I have to make a really hard decision, but came on, he was professional. He talked cleanly through it. And to the surprise of many who had been watching his social media feed, but stories like that are fun because they're exciting and you feel like you're breaking news and you feel like a journalist. And those are really you are. I mean, you, you, right. you don't have to feel that way because you absolutely are. And there's, yeah. let me tell you, there is a strong base of support for Nisa right now. And that's how I know you guys. Like I, I somehow I know protagonists all through this like little Nisa <laughs> just from, from the Bobcats and, and what I follow there. And I'm, I'm reading Dan Creel's articles about when he's pulling out uh lawsuit facts for, for well, for we Chicago house. Cre- Creel has the training and background that gives him, though he doesn't give legal advice. Um, okay. He has a tremendous background that sort of gives him an insight into that, that if you handed me a lawsuit and said, Hey, analyze this, I'd be like, yeah, I mean, I can yeah, do, I'll do my best. But, <laughs> but I was just going to say um, the story though. And I, and I was talking about that story that was interesting, but the story that really sticks to me was, and I think this was in 2019, um, Innocentis, uh, which are based out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, where this club of, I think I wrote it, it's called, it's called Club of Immigrants, was the story that I wrote. And it is a team whose families moved out of Mexico to the Dallas area in the 70s and just restarted the club that they had been playing in in Mexico called Innocentis, and they refounded it in Dallas. And this little, you know, I say Dallas, but that Dallas-Fort Worth area, and it was all about like, like there were second and third generations of players playing on this club that had started in Mexico back in the seventies. It's just an incredible story. And that gets back to what I was saying. I think that there's, there's um, like the storytelling is part of really it's the best part of the job you don't always you can't always find that story sometimes you are just writing about like a result and who scored goals and what the weather was like and how many fans showed up and that's that's fine that's part of it right but i think that when you tap into a story like that and you can tell that story the right way it's exciting and it feeds you as uh, as a fan of the sport 
but also as a, again, as a journalist, but also as a storyteller, right? I think that there is, there's layers of this and that story really sticks into my head as a story that I really enjoyed writing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I follow you guys on Twitter and I, I see a lot of reference to older clubs in America and how much of the, um, uh, how much of the history of soccer in America do you know? And are you interested in? Well, I'll tell you that I, my interest in the history of American soccer goes back to the American Soccer League, which was this big, uh, big, uh, well, big at the time, actually pretty big period. But uh, this East Coast based um, league that existed for about 10 years, um, clubs that you've heard of Fall River Marksman, Bethlehem Steel, those teams are playing in that league. And there was this brief moment when like, it could have been like the Premier League if it had just continued. Um, and I've, I've written extensively about it. I, I've done some research on some of the players that played during that time. I think what's interesting is that – so let's pull back the curtain a little bit. I was a baseball fan when I was a kid, like massively. and no interest in soccer at all. Like played baseball, was into baseball. Um, that was – what I was about. And I was living in the Midwest. I mean, you live in Indiana or Ohio in, in your, in your uh, early teens, like you're going to love baseball. That's just what people play there. And, or at least they did when I was growing up. What, but, but one of the things that really appealed to me was the history of the game, the sort of like long running, like the names, the old pictures, the stories from like back in the day, like these, like going back all the way to like the 1880s. And that like, that drew, like as someone who loves history, period, it was this other way that I connect to the sport and enjoy. Mm-hmm. When I came to soccer, I thought, well, all the history in soccer is in Europe. Like there's no, there's no soccer history in the United States. And to discover that there was this league that at the time, like the Fall River Marksmen were outdrawing the Boston Red Sox in the 1920s. Like, that's just a, like, we don't have that conception. They were drawing, like, while the Boston Red Sox were drawing 5,000 fans, Fall River Marksmen were drawing 15,000 fans. 15K like, that was, is enormous to this day in, in lower league Yeah, soccer. right? Exactly. <laughs> like, they had a soccer-specific stadium in Tiverton, Rhode Island, called called Mark uh, Mark Stadium and that existed for you know it existed until the 50s and eventually you know it's gone now it's a field um but it's one of those things that like when you get into that and you realize that yes we're fed the idea of MLS and that's don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not the biggest anti MLS person in the world. I was curious about that. Yeah. I'm not, I, let me tell you, I started, when I started podcasting, it was an MLS podcast. Huh. Um, so I was, I was actively podcasting about MLS. Dallas the, MC. No, it was a, just sort of a, it, oh. it was a podcast called, and you probably can't find it anywhere. I'm thankful, but okay. uh, bury my heart. USA was the name of the podcast. And it was three guys much like nights. Um, and we talked about like, we do like recaps and talk about soccer and it was fun and I enjoyed it. Uh, we can get into how I went from that to lower league soccer, but I, I say all that to say like, like, yes, MLS needs to understand, like, like MLS fans should understand that it's important. And I certainly, I recognize the need for a first division and what that means to the sport, but to pretend that, you know, Soccer history in the United States started 25 years ago is inaccurate. And, you know, you can go back into the 60s and 70s with the NASL and you go back, there's leagues all over. Soccer has been played for almost 
over a hundred years in many parts of the country, St. Louis, um, the, up on the East Coast of New York, Cosmopolitan League has been around since I think the early 19 teens. Um, so like these are like, there is history here. We don't know about it um, as soccer fans. So that's actually one of the things, you know, you touched on it, but that's one of the things that we've done on the site is we have both Josh Studer and Dan Creel are both lovers of like researching history. Like it's their backgrounds. They enjoy it. And they've written a lot of articles. So have I about lower league, not just lower league, certainly at the time, maybe the top leagues, um, history from back in the day. And we see that as an important aspect of appreciating the game in this country is understanding that there's a real history and it's interesting. It's fun. It's why we do our throwback kits. Um, we've, we've at this point, I think we're on our third now, um, where we, we work with Icarus, uh, um, Icarus, which is one of our favorite designers. Um, and we design a kit based off an old kit. We, we did one off the, uh, Cleveland Shamrocks. It's, it's about, it'll be out, uh, should be in town very soon. Um, but they're on order right now, but the Cleveland Shamrocks were this club that played again in like the, the twenties and thirties, they played in, in Cleveland. It and looked like the Celtic, uh, the, yeah, yeah. yeah I saw it on the site. I mean, it looked really nice. It, it's it's without a doubt like without a doubt like there are there's a lot of connective tissue between European soccer and American soccer because it was, the, it was the country immigrants exactly so you you come from if you come from a place where 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 uh, Celtic is play, Celtic is playing you come over here why wouldn't you want to be the Shamrocks and and put a little leaf on you and wear the green and white and like there was so much crossover in fact there was so much crossover with players that eventually the European clubs like threatened um, and, and eventually got the governing bodies of soccer to like ban what the ASL was doing because the American Soccer League was bringing so many Scottish players over that it was depleting the Scottish leagues. Huh. That's, that's wild. Who, but who knows that? Let's double click on the American Soccer League for a second because this is all mm-hmm. incredibly fascinating to me that this mm-hmm. league existed. Like, what, what years yeah. are we talking? And how many, we're talking, how many teams? It's, uh, we're talking uh, 10 to, I think, 12. Uh, and we're talking about 19... I, I, I think they petered out in 32. Um, and I think they were originally founded in 20 or 21. You're pressing me here and I wasn't prepared. No, for it's this. okay. Yeah. I'm but, sorry about that. No, but this, no, this is good stuff uh, because I, I love the stories and like, it's one of those things There were, there were two fall river clubs, you know, um, Bethlehem steel is the one that everyone thinks about, but there were like massive players who went on to play for the national team. Uh, one of my favorite stories, I'll tell you the story. And, and again, it's on the website, but, um, Finley Kerr, was the goalkeeper for Fall River Marksman for a short time. He also did some with Bethlehem Steel. Um, I I just got like, you know, I, I was gonna say a bug up my butt, but just like I just got excited about like this guy. I liked it. he looked cool in the pictures, and I was like, maybe I could find something about badass this name Findlay Kerr. Findlay Kerr, <laughs> and and you know what's crazy is so I did some research and I found he had died in like I want to say in the nineties. Um, dude, he's in his, you know, he's probably in his seventies or eighties when he died, but there was a record of who was at his funeral. And I was just like, let me just white pages this, see if I can find some names. And I started calling people just (laughs) randomly. And don't get me wrong. It was very nerve wracking. Like, Oh my God, I'm going to be such an idiot. And I talked to his grandkids 
People That's that wild. knew him, they knew him as, oh yeah, Grandpa, Grandpa Curry. He was he was such a sweet guy, and he he lived on. He used to sell insurance after at night. He would sell insurance. It wouldn't surprise me if he was doing that while he was playing too. <laughs> but like like they lived in they lived in Massachusetts, and eventually he visited, and it was like that stuff is like the stuff that will die as generations die away. And you don't have those stories because, uh, and, and, and we, we talk about this all the time internally. When you do research on these clubs or you do research on these players, it's a box score. That's literally all you have is a box score. You have a name, you have how long they played. What's amazing is that some of that restored footage that they've found from the open cuts from back then, you can see the players. And yeah, there's this famous clip on YouTube from, uh, they played, it was in, um, it's fall river marksmen are playing in St. Louis and you can see Finley Curry's there. He's standing in the back, got a little hat on. He's chewing gum. It's awesome because, like, they were real people, right? They were real soccer players. Like, and the, they after gave they, a shit about that game too. You and, know? and and after after they retired, they became grandpas and grandmas. They 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 retired. They they put their stuff away. They stopped playing soccer. And why would they? Why would they continue to? And Can't we don't know. We don't know about them because there's no one telling that story. Um, but yeah, I'll, uh, I'll send you some links to some of the stories we've done because they're, uh, I think they're fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. We'll check it out. Definitely. Um, so you, you mentioned baseball growing up was kind of, kind of your sport of choice. So how did you then turn your attention towards soccer and what got you into it? FIFA. FIFA. Right. Like FIFA is like, I, I was an American soccer fan all the way until probably mid mid to late twenties, didn't watch any soccer, wouldn't have been able to tell you anything. And I got into it because I was living me and my roommate. We, he likes, he liked playing FIFA. I think it was on the PS2. Jeez. Okay. It was a long time ago. I dated myself there. Um, might've been on I was an Xbox one guy myself. I've, so. I've always been a PlayStation guy. You get guy, the target so. audience. It's all right. <laughs> but we, uh, we, we would play and, you know, at the same time that we were playing, I was watching a lot of Manchester United on like Saturdays because he would watch soccer. And on Saturdays, that's when, you know, Fox was only showing Manchester United at the time. There just wasn't a lot of exposure mm-hmm. beyond that for international soccer. So we ended up, I would watch Manchester United, became a fan, got to play with them on my, you know, in, in FIFA and we'd have these extended seasons and stuff. So that was like sort of my introduction to to soccer. And over time, my interest in American football waned. It was just too much in American football that I can't really get behind anymore. If it's the CTE, if it's the it feels like there's a lot of abuse that goes on either, either domestically or even the players themselves are, are being treated in ways that I can't really I can't get behind. Don't it's so get my violent. It's so violent on TV. I was a football fan for a good 10 years, but some of those hits you're seeing like a safety, just knock a wide receiver over the middle. It's just so violent. Like I, I, I really have a hard time with it myself. Like I think it's, it's especially hard because oftentimes it's celebrated. And that is, you know, when, when, and I'm not, I, I don't think that soccer is, is innocent. Cause I yeah. think there, there are dangerous plays that happen, but when a player goes down, and you know they're clearly suffering from a concussion or they're they're out like there is like generally like silence in the stadium no one is cheering that like people are worried about that and i'm not speaking for every jerk in the world i'm sure, sure. there's some jerks that celebrate that but i'm saying like but i would say as a generalization 
we don't celebrate hits and injuries the way that American football does. And I can't, I couldn't get behind it. And so I just started drifting more and more into soccer. And the first place you start if you're in the United States is, is MLS because that's what's on TV. It's what, it's what has the most coverage. Um, and so I naturally sort of gravitated to MLS, started watching MLS and yeah, you know, it was good. I don't have any beef with it. I know a lot of people like, you know, rip it up for, you know, not being up to par with other leagues, but if you're watching all the same teams play each other, like they're all at the same level. So it's, it's one of those things that like, if they were, if they were playing premier league teams every other weekend and get destroyed, maybe at that point, I wouldn't want to watch it anymore. But like, you're, if you're watching all at the same level competing, I feel like there's like, you can still appreciate it. You know but, what? I'm, I'm, I'm not an MLS guy myself. None of the other guys on the podcast are, but for some reason I'm, I'm very drawn to CONCACAF champions league. I just like that. Like I love yeah. MLS teams in that context. And I, I seek those games out. In fact, there's a game on right now. We probably should be watching, but <laughs> well, I, I, that drew me in. And then on top of that, uh, I would say in, this would have been about 11 years ago. It was, it was the world cup in South Africa. Um, and, and it was that 2010, Is 10, it been 20, 2010. 12, 12 years ago. Jesus. I'm old. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, whatever, but it was, yeah. it was a great, it was a great world cup. I loved it. And by the way, love Vuvuzelas. people that don't like them. What's wrong with you? Have fun. Oh, really? Jesus. Love Vuvuzelas. Uh, they're so it's such loud. A, it's awesome. Is that El Salvador granted, way that had them again or Jamaica <laughs> had them. Yeah. It was wild. So but, but that world cup was so much fun to watch. And at the same time, uh, those matches, as I remember where I was, which is in South Texas, central time zone, they would come on at like nine in the morning, eight, eight thirty, nine in the morning. And at the time I had a job and I would be at work at that time. And that, <laughs> talk about a long time ago. I don't think there was any video streaming on my phone, but, the, but ESPN radio had a deal where you could pay for all the world cup games huh. and you could listen to the world cup games call. And I would walk around the store where I was working, listening to these, thankfully I was a manager, so I get away with it. Um, <laughs> but listening to these matches and it really, it, it sort of inspired this love because I really love um, the U S men's national team. I'm a big fan. Like it, I have often said that while other people have club teams, my team is the national team. Uh, I have, I think, I think I just purchased my 17th kit uh, for the national team. I collect them. I like to look back. Um, I'm wearing one right now. Um, but I am a massive fan of the U.S. men's national team. I love what it represents, which is like the best of us and even us, what it means people that have citizenship but never lived in the United States, people that speak with accents, people that look different. It's a wonderful, to me, symbol of what the sport can do, which is sort of unify people. And I, I get so grossed out by the hyper-nationalism that you see in the fan base. Um, like, I'm very careful, you know, whenever we play Mexico, I am – aggressively anti L3. Like I do not like L3 and I have very, very strong opinions about, about that team. And I will talk a lot of crap about that team, but I don't talk crap about Mexico. I, I live in El Paso, Texas. I can see Mexico from the window behind the computer right now. Um, it's, it's right across the border. My, my wife was born in Mexico. Uh, my in-laws were born in Mexico. So I understand 
that you need to draw a line somewhere and be careful how you talk about it. Because in a country of immigrants, you should be careful about the way that you talk about other countries. And um, sorry, it was a little bit. Of a oh, that's there, but- uh, it's so it's so perfect. It's um, yeah, there's like a broism going through the U.S. men's national team fan base. And to be honest with you, we have a very similar story. Actually, I was super into basketball until about late 20s. I'm 34 now got into soccer through Tottenham uh, really actually first is us men's national team, same world cup, 2010 it was very into 2014 world cup. Didn't qualify for 2018. So then I like, I still watched the world cup and then that bled into club soccer from there and now lower league soccer, but us men's national team. I, I had the realization on the last podcast we did that I don't have a club team. Like I'm Tottenham, but I'm more us men's national team than, than anything. So yeah, no, I, and I, there. and I'm not and, and I have, friends that sort of poke fun at me that's okay like i'm good with that like i love the u.s men's national team uh, i'll cheer for the u.s women's national team as well i don't watch it quite as much because they're so freaking dominant that it almost feels like if they lose one i'm shocked but two like you go into every match being it's to me i know this sounds terrible it's more fun to root for that hopeless cause which is the u.s men's national team than it ever is to win you know to root for the like absolute powerhouse that is the women's national team but it um, yeah and people people 2010 was a very exciting world cup 2014 was also like we made it through the group stage into the knockout rounds people yeah i don't get what where the understanding is that that u.s men's national team has underperformed up to this point like we were never a soccer nation I think that's fair. I think that, you know, people always love to talk about the wealth of the country. They always like to talk about the population of the country. And those are, that's fair. But like in no other country are there so many sports sapping like interest and money and talent. Like that is, there is no other country where there's the NFL or the Major League Baseball or the NBA. Like all other all in all of the countries, soccer is the sport. Like, yes, those, there are, you know, fringe places where there are other, other sports, but the vast majority of the time soccer is the sport. And so I just, you know, when people talk about like, well, yeah, I get it. I get the criticism, but, but I am always hopeful, man. And I, and I love me. I love, I love this team. I'm, I wish we were already qualified, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I mean, we are second in the table still. And I, and I am such a panic. I'm such a panic. So, so am I. Cause yeah. so what happened in Trinidad was a fluke. Like so many bad things had to happen. I think Costa Rica had to lose. Mexico had to lose. Panama had to win. It was like a whole all in one night. We had to, to lose to in Trinidad and, and we did. And we did. And we did. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, that just kind of. Sorry right, about so, that. I don't no, know why right, I brought that right. up. That's no fun. I will oh, tell this, you though. Yeah. I was going to say part of, you said fragmented earlier. And I think that's why the U S men's national team hasn't been good too, because, because soccer is so fragmented in this country. Not as only, not only is it not the number one sport, there's just no recognition of the game. There's no coverage of the game. There's no, it's a mining issue is what I think. Like we have all the talent here. People, it's just not seen. Well, I think that, 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 you know, or developed, I, I, I can hear Chris Kessel in my ear telling me it's the Federation. And yeah, that's part of the problem is the Federation. That's true. Um, I, I also think that there, there was this, um, a while back, uh, someone was talking about, ESPN, and, and I, I, I don't, I'm not specifically targeting ESPN, but ESPN 
will broadcast the sports that they are, that they are being paid to broadcast. And you should not be surprised that when sports center rolls around, the sports that they're highlighting are the properties that they own. And we oftentimes think of a show like sports center as, Oh, well, this is, you know, this is all the news in sports right now, right. but where, where soccer ends up in that, maybe it's at the end, maybe it's in the last, you know, at the 55 mark or at the 50 mark. And so because of that, that, you know, the NBA that's on the ESPN all the time or the NFL that's on the ESPN all the time or, or whatever it is, that's going to run first. And it's going to take up the vast majority of the auction in the room. We, that is true of newsrooms in every, every channel and every newspaper across the country, the ones that are left. Uh, but, sure. but, but not only is soccer seen as an afterthought, American soccer, is even a further afterthought, right? Like they will focus on, you know, of course the World Cup, which is why we see these spikes in interest in the United States because suddenly people talk about it. But the the Premier League, the Bundesliga, um, those are the focus of sports outlets when it comes to soccer. So coming back even, you know, dicing it even finer, trying to find coverage of even MLS – you know, which is, you know, maybe not everyone's favorite league for a variety of reasons. Even MLS is hard to find coverage at times. And I mean, what the best website to cover it is the one owned by the league, uh, which is super gross. Yeah, that is gross. Not not a fan of that. Yeah, yeah. It's not a true it's gross. Integrity it's, there. But and and I, I hate league coverage of themselves. It's like it's like if you asked me hey, Dan, how'd your day go? And my goal was to impress you. I could make up whatever I wanted about my day. And I could ignore all the things that I don't want you, you know, I don't want you to hear about me, you know, picking my nose and rubbing it on the wall or the time that I farted loudly or whatever, the, 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 you know, when I tripped that kid or when I crashed my car into a bus, like, I don't want you to know those things. I'm not going to tell you those things. And that is ridiculous. And that's why that's why our website exists because we believe in like, we believe in a journalistic standard. I love how I did a circle there. Uh, that journalistic Beautiful. standard that we try to hold ourselves to. Um, and I, I don't consider us, we're not muckrakers. I don't go looking for the bad stories or I don't look for those, but when they need to be reported on, we try to do our best to have even coverage in a way that is fair to all parties involved that, again, focuses on the story and tries to communicate, you know, with the NAFC situation. Um, we tried to be very fair to the people involved. Yeah, we're not dumb. We see what's going on and we have perspective on that, but our goal is to report the story. And if that means interviewing Lawrence Gerard while he's in the middle of like a, I don't know, I think some people call it like a, a Twitter tantrum, um, that's what you do. You sit down and you tell the story because the story needs to be told. And we believe fundamentally, like I know I get accused of carrying water for Nisa and I'm good with that. You can, you can make that accusation if you like, but like, I think that the league needs accountability. It's part of, it's part of being a professional league. And I would even say even the amateur leagues, there have been times when I've had people, I've seen text messages from people that are basically like, I cannot believe you ran that story. Like you just cost people jobs or you, you should have waited until I told, like, I, I remember I ran a story that came out of a boardroom of a league 
And I happened to have a source in there, which was awesome. And um, so I, I, I ran a story and I got called by a, by a team owner who basically said, like, I didn't have time to tell the other teams at my conference about this. I cannot believe you did this. Like, you're doing, like, you're doing terrible things to this league. Maybe. I don't think so. Um, and if I did think so, I wouldn't do what I do. Like, yeah. I don't think my goal has it's never been growth. 100%. 100%. I don't believe that anyone should operate in a vacuum where there's never accountability. It will yeah. only lead you to do t- terrible things um, because eventually you get, you get high on your own supply, right? Like you get, you get to the point where you think that your everything that you do was the best decision. And sometimes you need someone to say, Hey, you need to do better at this. I mean, we've been, if you listen to the Knights who say Nisa, which you said you do, so I'm sure you do. Um, we talk, constantly about things the league should improve on if it's and pr is the big one uh but we think you guys just- you got they have to love you they have to love the coverage of the league that, that you give just because who else would do it there's just not a lot out there like like you're the main source of nisa information and news it's it's not even a question of of is there you know is there any competition like you guys are the news for nisa and I hope they embrace you because you do them a lot of favors, I would argue. So I would say that the league loves us when we're telling a story that they like. And sometimes the league hates us, right? And I understand that, right? There are times when I contact them for like a comment on an article and I can almost, you know, see the text coming back with just like fumes, you know, and anger. And like, I I know it, right? Because there's times when like I, I see them thinking, how does he know this? How did he yeah. find that out? Now we're, I think that you're right. If you are the source, people come to you with information like that. And that's the truth. Like we're very, we're nothing without sources. We're nothing like, yes, we're going to call people and ask questions. But if I call you and you do the no comment, well, I got nothing to go with that. Yeah. Um, and we're very, and maybe, maybe there's criticism about us here. I don't think there is, but like, we're very slow to run a rumor. Like I will confirm it multiple times before I'll run it. It's just because I don't, I, I don't want to be in that business. It's not like if I was running a random Twitter handle, fine, but that's not what I'm trying to build. It's not a random Twitter handle. Like you guys I'm are coverage, coverage of the league from, from top to bottom. And if we'll you can't accept that, then <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Well, I, mean, what's I, your take I would agree. Nissan? I would agree with you that Nisa does right clearly appreciates us. And, and I think that that is true. I don't think that's untrue um, because you're right. Who else is telling the story of Nisa? Like the clubs put out posts. There's a podcast here or there that might talk to people from the league, but the reality is no one does it at the level that we do it. You know, we have a weekly podcast about the league, mm-hmm. literally the name of it is in there. And on top of that, we run, articles pretty consistently about the league on our site so i think that that is true you communicate more about that league than they do internally too they they are they're slow to communicate is is one of the unfortunate truths about nisa and and like you said on the last podcast or maybe dan creel said it like we're giving them a lot of slack it's a new league people people realize that um but yeah, I actually, I think, that, I think that was, I think that was John that said that actually, oh, sorry. but yeah. uh, no, no, it's okay. No, John is the, uh, he's the, he's the non Dan of the show, huh. but, uh, but, but he had a point there, right. That we we've given them slack, but at this point, this is the second full year that they're going to have. And at some level they should be at a better place, uh, particularly with their PR and front facing 
you know, the outlets, we should be getting stuff. And, and there have been improvements. I'm not, I am not saying that there's not improvements there. The league has gotten better. The teams um, on I, the individual level have gotten way better. I, I would depends on who you're talking about. Let's well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Bob, I'm dripped in Bobcats bias. And I think they're doing Dude, a fantastic Evan, job. Evan Ramus, Evan Ramus is a golden God. I love the guy. He is. Like, no, uh, like, and I'll tell you, you know, and I, I joke that he's a golden god. He can still mess up, and I'll he's still call a him out for god. it. I mean, he's but a young man, you know. He's he he's, is right. He's but he's got he's got it together. He's but that's one of my favorite parts of what I do is meeting people, and you know the Bobcats are you know I always like generally Evan Ramis obviously, and I begin to grow a relationship with their owner uh, Jay Saba, uh-huh. and like getting to yes, know them I'm on the pod, like, like they are they're good people like good people with good hearts and don't get me wrong they could do bad things and if they do i'll write about it but like <laughs> every time i get these guys on the phone i'm like it's the real deal like this is like a real and and maybe that's why it really stunk whenever all the stuff with lawrence gerard went down because it was like like it made me know. fearful for the league immediately and particularly for the bobcats who i am well like listen protective they, of in a way the, the if you read that lawsuit, the work that Dan did on that, and I the other Dan um, did on it, you know they were going for a temporary injunction. They were trying to stop the league from being able to play. Um, that you know that's thankfully there's arbitration built into the contracts of Visa, and so they're going to have to go to arbitration to see how that works out. I'm not a hundred percent sure what we're going to see out of House or New Amsterdam. I have heard some rumors, um, but, you know, that there's there's a chance they might play amateur this year um, just to sort of keep, you know, keep In the nation? In another league. Uh, it's just a rumor. It's all I've heard. I haven't heard it. I've not, not confirmed it, so I want to be careful what I say. Sure, but that's I, fair. But, but, but I will say that they, I think as a team, they are looking, or as teams, I guess, there's two teams there, right? One ownership. Uh, but they're they're looking for solutions. It it stinks, right? Like I don't mm-hmm. know what the financial situation is of the ownership group. Um, I think that there are some indications that there's problems there. Uh, but it it stinks to watch. New Amsterdam was exciting last year. Like they had a Malongo is one of my favorite players. Period in Nisa, and I'm not, I'm not sure. I, we talked about it on the show. I'm not sure where he's going to play this year. I don't know. Um, that. That stinks. And, and mm-hmm. you know, Gerard talks about the branding. I agree with them. I think it's pretty good branding. It is very um, nice. I, I mean, I have one of their shirts in my, hanging in my, in my closet. Uh, maybe that'll become, you know, one of those, uh, one of those relics. I don't know. I, yeah. I have, I like, I like to collect It'll things. Be because, on the protagonist side in about 30 years. And then you'll have a Gerard lawsuit waiting oh, in your inbox. Yeah, let's, you. let's pass that. No, we don't do that. But, you know, you know, whenever you deal with people that are litigious, you need to make sure that your source is correct. You need to make sure that what you're writing and what you're saying is accurate. And we, that was why and how we approach that story. And every story that we do, it's like, make sure you know what you're talking about so that if I ever get dragged up and someone says, he's making this up about me, this is a lie, I want to go, sorry, man, I got sources for this. And I wouldn't burn a source but I sure as heck would be able to prove that what I said was true because I'm not going to lie about people. I'm not, I'm not going to tell rumors about people. It's not, it's not what I'm in the business to do. Yeah. So, so Nisa Nation and Nisa as a entity, you, you know, what, are, what is your predictions of their future? Because I'm looking at some of these ticket sales and I'm worried about the league. And I saw two, you know, it's expensive to fly clubs across the country to play and, 
San Francisco and LA and what do you, what, what does NISA need this year to make sure they're solvent within the next five years? Listen, there are some issues in the league and I wouldn't pretend otherwise. Uh, I think that they need to get themselves on stable ground. I think that the exit of clubs is going to be hard to fight. I think that that happens in all leagues um, and they are not an exception to that. Uh, they need to find a way to hold on to Chattanooga. Um, there have been rumors that Chattanooga will be on the move. We don't know that, uh, but there are rumors going around about that. They need to find a way to get them back in and buy into the league. Uh, Chattanooga needs a good season. And I, I mean that sincerely. They need a good season. Um, they struggled last season. They were inconsistent, and it showed – in the attendance, it showed in the interactions online. Like there was just a general general consensus that it was an off year for that club. Uh, they need to they need to come back strong. I'm very excited about what they've done. I think Rod Underwood is going to do amazing things. I am, like I want a shirt that says "I believe in Rod." I don't know how that would go over. My people might think the wrong thing, but you I'm wear a it big... to drop off the kids at school. But you can wear it around the house. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe just a really big T-shirt, nothing else. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of Rod Underwood. I think he's he is a I think. Uh, from the first conversation I ever had with him, which is before he was ever in Nisa, it was just talking about his time playing in like professional soccer in the eighties before there was an MLS and like talking about road trips that he had been on. And he was in Albuquerque playing for this team and the ownership dropped out. So the team was just like, we'll just play ourselves. And they, the team ran the team with no ownership. Like what a cool, crazy, wacky story. If, if protagonists writing about it, people would, I'm sure say the league was going to collapse, but it's, <laughs> All the coaches in Nice seem like they almost have the best stories. Like, uh, yeah, that, well, there, I, th- I think that there's, I think that what I want to see is, you know, we've seen the announcement about Savannah for next year. I like Savannah Clovers. I'm excited about that. We, I want to see. No offense to Evan and the Bobcats, or to you and your fandom, or to Dan Creel and his fandom, but like, we need to see them take a step. Uh, they have not always been consistent, but they are, they are a team with a good story. But just like John said about Nisa, at this point, there needs to be expectations, like beyond just, hey, be nice guys and, have, and do nice things. Like that's, that's okay. Nice yeah, absolutely, right? Um, but, but, but I do think that they have taken big steps with their roster. Same. We need to see more engagement. And we, we talk about this all the time on the show. I have a broken record. We need to see more social media engagement from the clubs that are out there. I don't know if you, uh, we talked a little bit about the show, the most recent show, but the stuff that was going on on the West Coast with uh, Cal United and um, was it Albion? No, no, not Albion. Uh, what was the team that they Formerly were? Formerly 1904. Oh, oh, with Valley. They were messing with Valley. Uh-huh. And talking about how the West Coast, they were all running. It was the SpongeBob meme where they're out running around and SpongeBob's looking through the, uh, or, or excuse me, Squidward's looking through the window and he's sad. And apparently, like, Valley blocked Kai United. I saw while, that. I saw that on which Twitter. Is, amazing like that is that that is yes more of this right like yeah. it's the i i am i'm convinced that this league could take steps if it wants to and if it understands and part of what we do at, on our podcast is we hope one that they're listening you know i don't know i think the league office listens because sometimes i get emails about stuff but i think the league they office listens. listen but yeah. like 
but like who else is who else is doing this so like get on there and listen to what we're saying like we're your target audience we're your like we're fans of the league like yeah we want to see it success like there are people that root actively for nisa to fall apart i know those people i meet them online but there but there are a there is a a fan base out here that wants to see it succeed um it's it's honestly, dude. It's 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 why I was sad when New Amsterdam and Chicago House stepped down. Like mm-hmm. I was bummed by that. I'm not happy about that. I don't care that you know. If you want to point to some of the you know allegedly shady things that Gerard has done in the past, you know that is that's all well and good, and we've written about some of it, right? But on the other hand, like that's two professional sides, probably fifty or sixty employees that are not going to be working in soccer. And that sucks. That is yeah. like, that, I will never cheer for a club going under it. Never. It just won't happen. It won't come out of my mouth because I feel like we should always root for clubs to succeed. Get there. You know, I, I, I I'm think just, I'm in love with the player development aspect. It's, it's more sure. professional leagues and, and, uh, and it's, yeah, it's just more exposure. And I, I love that, that you see Detroit city actually take some of the talent that they saw in Nisa and bring them up to the USL championship. How fun is that for the player? Like they, they get, you know, third division Nisa upstart league. And then all of a sudden they're playing the championship. That's the point, right? That that's the whole idea behind the pyramid, right? That, that while of course we would love to see promotion relegation and teams moving up and down, of course we can, we can also really appreciate it when a team, you know, a team stocks itself with players and every, every team has a different approach, right? Like, you know, I like to think of, you know, Chattanooga is sort of like half stump town now. Um, and Bobcats, you know, are, are just notorious about trying to draw talent from their local base. But like, you see that and like, then these players get options to play. Yes. At the championship level or up a level or, and, and, and let's not, let's be real. All of these players that are playing in Nisa right now, they're getting a paycheck. Maybe it's a small paycheck and that's fair, right? Maybe it's a small paycheck and maybe they should get paid more. You know, Dan Peel talks about unionizing all the time. I'm for it. I'm pretty pro that. Um, but, but they are getting paid. And if they weren't getting paid, they'd probably be paying amateur for free. And because their goal is to find a way to move up, to develop their talents and skills, to sell themselves as a player, as a person, and find, you know, a way to make a living in this sport. And if there are, right now in NISA, right, there's 10 teams. Those 10 teams are paying players to play. Say what you will about the league and its failures on whatever level you want. The reality is there are 10 teams full of players getting paid. There are 10 coaches, at least 10, right? There's assistants, obviously, and goalkeeper coaches that are getting paid to coach soccer. That's incredibly exciting. That's incredibly Uh inspiring because, like, there are 10 organizations that are taking a chance on I mean, something that is almost almost certainly doomed for failure because soccer in the United States just doesn't make money, right? So I, I see that as exciting. It's why I get into NISA. It's why I cover, this, cover the game because that is exciting. You know, I just talked to a guy, our, our next episode dropping next week, Tuesday. His name is Craig Hearn. He does a podcast called We Are Soccer. And he played at Michigan State all four years until about 2002. And he was talking about at that time in 2002, his options for going professional were basically nil. So now you have USL around, you have NISA, and you're just giving more players an opportunity to continue. Of course, right? Like, and, and like that is like that is not lost on me as a fan of the sport. 
Like, I want to see Nisa succeed. Could it fail? 100%. Does it need to be called out when it makes mistakes? 100%. I'm totally okay with that. I have no problem with that. But it is part of the growth process. Like, I, I understand, you know, like John said, there should be more accountability and more expectation that they're pulling it together as an organization. But it is still, what, year three? But let's be real about what we're looking at. Um, and it's not that many employees in that building. For <laughs> there are, and most of them, most of them's last name is Pritch. So I mean, it's just it's <laughs> yeah, one of those things. It's, yeah. it's one of those things that like we need to be have expectations, but real, be realistic about them. And I think I've always been the type to celebrate like a positive approach um, to the sport, and I try to make that. You know, the way, I mean, if you listen to Knights Who Say Nisa, we're going to joke, we're going to laugh, we're going to, uh, we're going to have a good time, we're going to talk about the league, because in the end, it's like three guys hanging out talking about something that our wives don't want to hear about, our kids <laughs> don't care about, and the vast majority of the people that we talk to on an everyday basis have no interest or even awareness of. And that, that's I care, cool. Dan. I care. I appreciate that. <laughs> and I'll tell you what's interesting, you know, you said that, but like, the other day, I, I got on the phone. I, very rarely do I talk on the phone because I, I hate talking on the phone, um, which is weird because I love podcasting. But um, <laughs> uh, someone someone called me who was a fan of the show. We were about something. It was something entirely different, not about the show. And we got to the point where we started talking about Nisa, and it went on. I think the phone call was supposed to be ten minutes, and it went to thirty or forty minutes. And it's interesting that like that's when you're a podcaster and you're consistently podcasting the people that listen to your show feel like they know you. Um, I had a very similar experience listening to the total soccer show um, with uh, Taylor and Daryl. And I, yep, dude, real one. It chokes me up. I love him. And I talked to him several times and I will never forget sending him a a DM asking him because I was trying to get him on to do another interview with him to ask him about how his prognosis was going. And he was like, man, I'm really, I don't don't feel real good. And I don't know that I'm up to it right now. And passed away very soon after i was like oh my god what a jerk looking for an interview but it's but i feel like i know soccer friend hello friends right like i felt like i knew daryl i feel like i know taylor and i had conversations with them after that and or not not with daryl obviously but with taylor i've talked to him before I've, i've interviewed him and we've talked about things and when i talk to him it's this level of familiarity that does not equate to reality you know like oh you know so funny you said that so like yeah we think we're bros but like he doesn't know me like i'm just a (laughs) fan of his show right i'm just some guy that listened to his podcast every morning driving to work but like in that moment there were three of us in the car having a conversation about soccer they couldn't hear me uh i shouldn't talk to myself probably but i i think that like there are people that we meet doing what we do that have a very similar experience and it's incredibly rewarding as a podcaster. I love that people listen to my show. I love that people have an opinion about my show, even when they're critical of my show. I'm good with that. Like, that's okay. Like that's neat. If we, yeah, hundred percent. Right. That some, some person, wherever they are downloaded my podcast and right. put that on. <laughs> yeah. You want to you listen like, to me? What, yeah. To me? Like, oh, like you walked your dog today and was listening to our podcast. I what? was in the middle of a Maryland suburb and I had my, <laughs> uh, my earbuds on and I was listening. There, there you, and that's, that's fantastic. Right. That is like a reward for any content producer, but especially as a podcaster that like, I like that. And it's why and, you're here really. Cause I, the day I wrote it, I wrote that tweet and like, I work in my basement 
I'm a pretty extroverted guy, but in the last two years, like I don't see a whole lot of people. I feel like an introvert now. Like I'm a little bit lonely sometimes, and and I I'm I missed I just missed the podcast because I got the kids running around. It's a little hard to do, but I'm so glad that I put that tweet out and you all responded because now we got and you know, I've done four four interviews in the last couple of days and to tie it all back, like they're all turning into Nisa conversations. Every single one of them. I, don't, <laughs> I, I think that, I think that Nisa is one league, but most importantly, like support the game, support the players that are playing, find your local club, whoever that is in whatever league it is Find You know, it, it's, it sucks that people think they can only root for a team that, plays you know in the premier league or a team that plays in mls they they think that their fandom is somehow limited to these major clubs what the billionaires offer (laughs) and and it's what gets preached by most media Mm -hmm. um very few people want to tell the stories of lower league because they see and i've actually had someone bring this up to me just recently you say lower league a lot i'm like yeah, that's what it is. There's nothing wrong with lower league. Like lower league is is your community club. It's the club that that you you could take your kids to see. It's the club that you can afford to support. It's the club where you might see a player who played at a local high school play at, and it's a club that you want to see succeed uh, because when th- when they walk out on the field, they represent your community. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's kind of great. Like, it's kind of like the magic. Like, that's the magic of lower league soccer is that this really intense connection between the local community. And that's why when you see clubs not engaging with their local community, it really bums me out because, man, you're missing out on, you know, think about CFC or, or Detroit City, right? Now USL Championship. Like, those are teams that, like, built relationships with their fans. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's awesome like that again it's magic magic i mean we could be at like the seed level of of soccer in america too this could be a glorious renaissance for the game here is maybe i'm I'm crazy it's why i spend it's why i spend (laughs) countless hours recording podcasts uh editing podcasts writing articles because i believe in that a hundred percent you know back when we first started i was i was in the editing room for many hours now i just kind of plop the audio out there so sorry about that rooster and the villain listeners but we've probably are at the end of our time i think i could talk to you for another three hours about about soccer it was really fun to have you on um we usually end with rants for our guests that was kind of a, a great rant for the for soccer community but i'm gonna give you one more shot at it because i feel like you got something else to say and now he's on the spot yeah right exactly um look get involved that is, I mean, if we often talk about not enough, like we talk about niche sport, right? Niche audience. But the reality is, is that most people would, would pay more attention to sport, this sport, if we were talking about it more, if we were communicating it before, if you were recording a podcast, if you're writing an article and not everyone has that, that bug. Right. And I get that, mm-hmm. but I truly believe that if more of us would stop just going on to Twitter to rant and instead created a blog, which is, is, is what it's, it's like, it's, it's a couple hundred more words, but if we created something that was more tangible, more real and allowed people to follow it and engage with it, we could create a bigger community both for ourselves as fans, right? Because we want other fans to be around us. This conversation's fun because we're both fans of the same league, because we're both fans of the same sport. 
it's no fun to be by yourself in a basement by yourself. <laughs> no <Yeah>. offense. Um, <laughs> no, no, I but, but it's no fun to do that. And if we would attempt to create protagonist soccer at this point on Twitter, as we're, we're about to crest on 6,000, 6,000 followers, we have, we have a website that has been visited hundreds of thousands of times. And I'm not exaggerating. Like that is a real number. Like we have people that see us as the sort of go-to site. I talk about it as being the site of record, right? Not the paper of record because we don't write a paper, but we're the site of record for lower league soccer. We didn't do that with a pile of money. Like there is no venture capitalist that funded what we did. It was a bunch of guys hanging out, talking about soccer and going, hey, you know what? Let's make something. Let's make a website. And we did that and we've continued to grow it. And there have been rough times, man. There are times when I don't feel like writing an article. There's times yeah. I don't feel like recording a podcast. Yeah. But you did it anyway. And we continue to push forward. And who knows what it could be? I think you're right. We are on the cusp of something great. Maybe we're on the cusp of a massive downfall. And if it did, <laughs> I invested my passion. I invested my time. And sometimes I invested my money. Don't tell my wife. Um, there, there, I have made decisions. Kids alone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my, my, I, no college fun for you, kid. I created protagonist soccer. Um, but I believed in what I did, and that makes it worthwhile. And I have made more friends than I could count. And, and, and there are friends that, like, I, next month I'll be flying to, Dow, uh, to Denton to see the Denton Diablos play in the U.S. Open Cup. And I'm going to meet, for the first time in my life, Damon Goetner. And Damon Goetner and I are massive friends, super close. Text him all the time. We text each other all the time. I know, I know what his family looks like. I know what his wife looks like. I know what his kids look like. I know, I know what they do. I know what he does. It's like, that is something that would not have happened if I hadn't taken the time to create a community online. And I swear to Jesus, you can do it too. I, you, the listener. You can do it too. It's just a matter of working hard and believing in what you're doing. And I have watched so many websites crash and burn. It like breaks my heart when it happens. But like I would rather have tried and failed than not trying at all. And I think that the soccer community in the United States needs more people who are willing to stick their necks out and create something tangible and stop being a troll or stop being a hater or like be a fan and buy in and make a podcast or make a website or like print some t-shirts. I don't know, whatever it is that you got to go do. to a game, do something yeah. there, right? That's the basic, most basic. Go to games. Yeah. 100%. Yeah.